Sean, we've been debating the shot clock rule for, it seems like, decades on this uh, network. And I'm firmly in favor of both sides. How about you? I come down right in the middle. I don't care if we don't have shot clocks. I don't care if we do have shot clocks. But the the breaking news, as we kind of teased last week, is we are going to have shot clocks in high school basketball in Minnesota. It's going to be a couple years, but uh, the high school league board of directors, by a unanimous voice vote in their meeting last week, said, yes, we're going to have a 35-second shot clock for all classes of boys and girls basketball, starting with the 2023-24 season. So it'll be mandated for varsity games and then uh, for lower-level games. Uh, they can do what they want. If they want to use them, fine. So, yeah, this is, this is, big, this is a big development. Um, you're right. This has been discussed for a long time. It has come to the board in the past. It was not successful. But it's a big step, and the key part of this thing, the key cog, came, I think, in April or May when the National Federation, which writes the rule books for the entire country uh, with high school sports, didn't say you have to have shot clocks, but basically said, if you want them, go ahead. Each state can make that decision. Um, it's not a national rule. You know, some states will probably still not have them. I think right now, 10 or 11 or 12 states use them or are going to use them. And uh, and uh, that was the big thing when the National Federation basically says, yeah, if you want them, go ahead. That, I think, turned the tide here. And, uh, you know, the high school league has done a lot of surveying of schools on, on this issue. And and 75% of the schools of all sizes were in, were in support. Not, not This isn't basketball coaches. This is basically each school gets – it's one say, you know, we sent out a survey with lots of questions and, but basically 75% of schools, big and small were in support. That's a pretty clear message. Uh, the, the board heard that. So the hard work starts now. Um, you know, a lot of school, I don't know of a lot, some schools have shot clocks <clears throat> and this is not well known, but for, I don't know, maybe, maybe close to eight or 10 years, schools could have used, you know, we could be using shot clocks right now in re regular season non-conference games. And there's some holiday tournaments that use shot clocks. Not not a lot. You don't see it much. But, uh, you know, like I said, now the work starts. Schools are going to have to buy these things. They're going to have to have them installed and wired. And I've talked to a lot of administrators at a lot of schools. And even at small schools, they say, yeah, it's several thousand dollars. They can come up with the money. There's ways to do that. And they're going to have to now. Um, but the bigger issue is having people properly trained to run shot clocks. It's almost like having an additional official because you don't just sit there with a button and, and click it every time the ball hits the rim. Um, there's more to it than that. But there's lots of lead time. And I would guess if, if I'm in charge of a scoreboard equipment company and you've got an entire state of high schools that's going to need these things, I, I'd offer some volume discounts, and there's a, there's several different companies that schools work with, so I, I assume that'll be part of this. Um, and you know, in the years when this shot clock debate has been going on, pretty frequently as I'm watching a game, I'll get the timer set on my on my cell phone, and I'll set it to 35 seconds, and I'll start using it as a shot clock. And you know, I don't know if I've ever seen teams other than at the end of a half or the end of a game get to the point where 
you know, they, they can't get a shot off in 35 seconds. So um, I think I've seen two games in, in, you know, a couple of decades of doing this. I think I've personally been to two games where the, where a team absolutely just held onto the ball, you know, and there's, there's maybe every season, there's maybe one of these somewhere in the state. I get why people want shot clocks um, and, I, and I'm fine with it, but I'm going to make a bold prediction here, Jim. I'm all about the bold predictions. I'm a couple of years after we start using shot clocks, they're going to become almost an afterthought. They're, they're going to be a factor, you know, late in the half, late in the games when a team's trying to protect the lead. But beyond that, I, I don't think we're going to see much of an impact with shot clocks. Well, what do you think about those? I have thoughts, John, and I will get to them shortly. The show <laughs> is Preps Today with John Millay. John is, of course, the MSHSL uh, guru. You can find John's journal at mshsl.org. And, of course, you can find the podcast here. The network is TalkNorth.com. Uh, thank you for listening to the network. Our, we recommend subscribing your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Of course, you can always go to TalkNorth.com, find all of our shows and all of the archive shows, plus our outdoor content and some new big names we have coming onto the network here in the next couple of months. Thank you again for listening. We do appreciate it. And thanks to our longtime sponsor, Pizza Barn in Princeton, PizzaBarnPrinceton.com. So here's my thing, John. I think you're absolutely right. I think the 35-second shot clock or 30, whatever it ends up being. Yeah, um, 35. Yeah, is not going. it's not going to be very noticeable. But I'm in favor of it because just – to keep that one game from turning into somebody standing out there with the ball, killing time. High school games are short to begin with. High school careers are short to begin with. If you have the best team in the state and you're playing for a state championship, it shouldn't be take. It, you shouldn't have your chances of winning lessened because somebody else is willing to not play basketball and just stall. Uh, high school sports should be about de- skill development and excellence. And stalling is not about excellence or skill development. So I'm in favor of it just to prevent that one game a year yep. or two games a year where some uh, some overthought thinking coach uh, tries to win a game by not playing basketball. Yeah, and, and the, the greatest example of that was a few years ago in the boys' state tournament. I think it was yep. in the state semifinals. On TV, a team held the ball, yep. just like you described. And, and boy, you don't think people scream for a shot clock when there's a, a statewide televised game and that happens that I think that was the biggest rocket fuel to this whole thing. I don't know that yep. we heard much about shot clocks before that, but uh, yeah, it's coming. Um, and uh, everybody's grateful. I think the, the, uh, the Twitter sphere was very positive as I was tweeting the updates from that. And we had some fun and I've got a couple more, Quick basketball notes here, Jim, before we get to a book review. A couple of stories people can look out for on on John's journal at mshsl.org. I went to basketball games on Monday and Tuesday this week. Monday night I was at Anoka High School, one of my favorite places. It's a great old gym, a lot of history. Uh, The Irondale boys played at Anoka. Uh, Two really good teams. And the story I'm, I'm working on is uh, both of those teams have first-year head coaches who come from uh, small college coaching backgrounds. I don't know that either one has ever been a high school head coach. Really, really good coaches. I enjoyed watching them coach and watching their teams play. So we'll probably talk about that next week. And then on Tuesday night, I headed south to Blooming Prairie. Say the nickname, Jim, the Blooming Prairie. The Awesome Blossoms. The Awesome Blossoms. I'd never been in the gym down there. It's it's a great, again, old school, small town gym. 
They hosted New Richland, Heartland, Ellendale, Geneva in a girls game. And the story that is now posted on John's Journal involves an assistant coach and a player from New Richland who happened to be father and daughter. Uh, the assistant coach is John Schultz. He was the, the head coach of the Panthers during their great run in 2013-2014 uh, when Carly Wagner was the stu- superstar who went on to play for the Gophers. They went to state three years in a row and were double-A state champs in 2013 and 14. And 2014, John stepped away from coaching. His daughter, Jade, was a senior on that team. But he's back now as an assistant, and his younger daughter, Sydney, is a junior on the team who recently scored her 1,000th career point. So John Schultz, he's retired from teaching, but he's staying very busy. He's a substitute teacher. He's a fill-in bus driver, and he, in fact, drives the bus for the girls' basketball team. Wow. So that guy does it all. So that story is up now on John's Journal. I've known John Schultz for a long time, going back to those glory days uh, with that team and and the Carly Wagner-led Panthers. Uh, really had fun watching. They, this this team this year is really good. This is another good New Richland team with lots of talented kids and uh, and a familiar name back on the bench now as an assistant coach. Excellent. All right, let's get to your book review. Yeah, we talked last week about this book. At that point, I was looking forward to reading, uh, written by a friend of mine, Carl Pearson, former head girls basketball coach at Waconia High School. He's been on the podcast. This is going back, I think it was 2018. This was the early days of this podcast. He had a wonderful book called The Politics of Coaching, kind of a manual for, especially for young coaches, how to deal with lots of situation coaches deal with. And his new book is called The Other Side of Glory, a season inside the Waconia High School girls basketball team. It's basically start to finish tells the story of the 2019-2020 Wildcats. That was the season that ended with the state tournament stopped in midstream because of COVID. And uh, and they got there. Waconia got there. That's kind of the, the theme of the of the book is Waconia had never had a girls basketball team go to state and there were even the the word curse had been used. They had come close so many times, including in, in Carl Pearson's last game before he stepped down a, a heartbreaking loss in a section championship game. So he really does a good job of, of going inside this team and tells, you know, some real dramatic things from what happens with a high school team where the, where the expectations are very high just the the drama, the behind the scenes, you know, things from the practice floor to the locker room to the bus rides and beyond. Really good. And I've already talked with Carl. Um, if you want to read about the book, if you want, want to read my thoughts, go to John's Journal at MSHSL.org. I posted a review and, I, and I've talked to Carl and we're going to have him on the podcast here before too much longer to, to talk about the book. It's really an interesting read. I read it and I read it in one sitting. I, I picked it up. And, and and finished it, you know, picked it up, read it, and then got up. I mean, it was it's not it's not lengthy, two hundred and forty pages, maybe. It really goes quickly if you're into basketball and and especially you know high school sports and, and what it's like for these teams and coaches, what goes on behind the scenes. Really, really a good read. So we'll we'll hear from Carl in person here coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, I think. Excellent. Uh, some live show updates from talknorth.com. 
We're going to do the uh, Cheryl Reeve show and the Youth Winter Wear Drive. We do it once a year with Lori Ramsey. It's Lori Ramsey's deal. Uh, it's a great event. We're going to do it at 7.30, December 14th. That's a Tuesday night, 7.30 at the downtown Pizza Luce. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of special guests there. It's always a great show, a great event for a great cause. Thanks to Cheryl. And by the way, Cheryl is the uh, going to be the Team USA coach in, for the next few years and at the Paris Olympics. Uh, her career has really taken off since she joined up with TalkNorth.com. I just think that's a good career move for people. Uh, July 20, I mean, sorry, January 27th, we'll do the next John Krasinski show live at Tuttle's Eat Play Bowl. It's Tuttle'sBowling.com in Hopkins. That'll be a 7 o'clock start, 6.15 uh, pregame with tin cup whiskey, and then the 7 o'clock start. And then John and I are planning on January 11th, about 4.30 p.m., doing a live show at Pizza Barn in Princeton. Uh, so you can come out. Uh, obviously, all these shows will be put on the, the the network later. You can listen to them later. But if you want to meet John, if you want to meet Jody Stay, if you want to have some great pizza, come out January 11th, about 4.30 at the Pizza Barn in Princeton. And John, why don't you tell us more about the Pizza Barn in Princeton? Yeah, Jody and her great crew up there, Jim, they've been with us for a long time. We're, we're so happy that they're, they're part of our... Uh, project here the podcast yeah you're right i don't think uh i don't think anybody'd be anybody without this podcast without cheryl, cheryl Reeves, very, very grateful for what i've done for her career. <laughs> i was a nobody until we started doing this podcast now i'm a nobody who, who does a podcast, podcast. it's completely but i'll tell you what i'll tell you what jim the more places i go the more i hear from people who love this podcast somebody last night at the uh blooming prairie gym after the game made that comment to me. Hey, I, I found the podcast. You guys do a great job. It's really, it's really awesome. That's always great to hear. So Pizza Barn has been, uh, has been our sponsor for a long time. It's a family owned business, downtown Princeton for 38 years. Uh, the Jody and, you know, her father uh, founded the business 38 years ago. It's great. It's a fantastic community asset for Princeton and all around there. And we talk about the Pizza Barn food truck all the time. Uh, I've had that pizza at a football game this fall. It's going all over. This week, uh, it'll be at the ERX Motor Park in Elk River Thursday and Saturday for events going on there. Uh, tell them uh, John and Jim sent you. A lot of gift ideas. We talked about this last week. If you go into the pizza barn, they've got a lot of holiday gift ideas for your family, for your friends. Great stuff. It's right off Highway 169 in downtown Princeton. Um, stop in. It's it's not just pizza. That's the that's the name of the place, the pizza barn. But chicken and sandwiches and everything, soup, salads, appetizers, great lunch buffet on that food truck is uh, is something to behold. So thanks to Jody and everybody at the pizza barn. Let's thank a ref. Yeah, there was a really good tweet um, by one of my friends. Dan Johnson is the activities director at Hopkins. He was at a wrestling tournament and he tweeted a photo of another guy I know well, Dan Roth, who does so many things. So in this, in this one tweeted photo, here's Dan Roth, who's, who's the athletic director at Fridley High School. He's running a wrestling tournament and also working as an official at that tournament. So here's an AD running a tournament, officiating. Dan is one of the top wrestling officials in the state. Good guy has been at Fridley for for quite a while. Does a great job. That's what kind of that's the kind of refs we like to thank. If they're also an AD and a and a tournament organizer. And uh, Monday night, I watched a boys basketball game between Irondale and Anoka, as I said. And they did something cool there before they announced the starting lineups. They announced the names of the officials 
They have a little statement that PA person reads thanking these officials, how much we need them. And everybody gave them a nice round of applause. It was kind of cool. You know, hey, let's let's have a round of applause for our officials because without them, it's just a recess. I think that was how it ended. <laughs> we We need to see more of that. We need to see more of that appreciation for officials. And of course, we need more officials. We're already seeing issues pop up with the shortage of officials for winter sports. I've talked to some uh, administrators just in the last couple of days who said, you know, it's if it's not affecting the varsity games in basically basketball and hockey, it's affecting those lower level games, those JV games, those C squad games. Those schedules are being adjusted all the time. So, so we we encourage, as we always do, anyone who's interested in officiating to uh, to take the plunge. You'll have a great time. You'll make some money. You'll build great relationships. Let's get to most valuable teammate and some congratulations. Just want to let people know uh, we do have what I think is the best sports lineup in the Twin Cities. We have Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, uh, Lavelle Neal, Roy Smalley, Jeff Diamond, John Krasinski, uh, John Millay, Jeff Diamond. Did I say Jeff Diamond? I said Jeff And And the great Cheryl Reap. Um, uh, we just have great people, great outdoor content. We're going to be adding some more cool names here soon. Uh, thank you to everyone who listens. We really appreciate it. Let's get the most valuable teammate. Yeah, our most valuable teammate this week, a weekly award uh, bestowed by uh, the high school league. Will Janser is a senior cross-country country athlete at Minneapolis Roosevelt. Will made some history this fall, became the first runner from Roosevelt in nearly two decades to finish in the top 10 at the Twin Cities uh, cross-country meet. That's a big deal. Way to go, Will, for Roosevelt. Uh, I've got some congratulations and some other things here, Jim, to finish off the show. Congrats to Minnetonka baseball coach Paul Twenge, a close personal friend of mine. He was recently inducted into the High School Baseball Coaches Association National Hall of Fame. Well-deserved there. Another guy I'm, I'm proud to call a friend, Creighton Durham Hall boys basketball coach Jerry Klein Jr. When they opened the season with a win against St. Thomas Academy, that was career win number 400 for mm. Jerry at Creighton. He's not old enough to have even coached 400 games. Yeah. I don't know how the math works there, but congrats to Jerry Klein Jr. at Creighton. And also congrats to uh, Robbinsdale Armstrong Cor Choral Director Stephanie Trump. She's the recipient of the prestigious uh, National Federation Outstanding Music Educator Award for Minnesota. That's a big time award. A couple other things I want to mention. There was a, a cool story that was sent to me on Twitter with the girls basketball team up in Royalton. Uh, last week during game, four sisters were on the court at the same time in a, in a win by Royalton over Long Prairie Gray Eagle. They're the Schoen Rocks. Autumn is a senior. Ava is an 11th grade. Addison is a ninth grader. And Elise is a seventh grader. They are all at least six feet tall. That is a big, tall family. You got those four daughters between seventh grade and 12th grade, all at least six feet tall. I may have to make a trip to Royalton to see this for myself. And finally, here's a cool note from, uh, from our friends in Hawaii. They really got hit by this pandemic. They, you know, people couldn't travel to Hawaii for such a long time. They shut down all their state tournaments they finally are back in business. They had their state cross-country championships just in the last uh, few days. The first state tournament they've had in Hawaii in 651 days. That's wow. how hard they were hit and how careful they were. And I think even at the cross-country championships, 
masks and proof of vaccination were required by everybody who was there for an outdoor event. That's how careful they're being out there. So congrats to our friends in Hawaii, 651 days between state tournaments and they're back in action. Wow. That, that's impressive. Uh, hey, thanks to everyone. Uh, Producer Miranda Morton, if you'd like to advertise with this show and reach a statewide audience, or if you'd like to advertise anywhere in the network, you can reach Karen Cleary, our great sales executive at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com. Uh, anything else you want to wrap up with, John? No, I think we're good here, Jim. You know, I'm going to be uh, Saturday. I'm going to be at Hopkins High School for the breakdown uh, all day boys basketball thing. It's basically from nine in the morning till till well into the evening, two courts going. They did the girls breakdown last week. I was out of town, missed that one for the first time in a long time. But uh, this is a great, this is a great event. It's uh, it's, it's the, the, some of the best teams in the state, the breakdown guys put together some great matchups. So I'll be there all day Saturday. I hope some of our listeners are there and, and let's, uh, you know, say hi, tell me how much you love the podcast and how I was a nobody until I started doing this podcast with Jim Suhan. And, you know, I'm hoping if I can keep this network going a little longer, I can stop being a nobody. I don't really have high hopes, but it's, it's, a, it's a goal. It's a life goal. Uh, no, I appreciate I, I appreciate all the work John does on behalf of this uh, this podcast as well. As, of course, as all the work he does is great to begin with. That's why he's on the podcast. Uh, so thank you to John. Thank you to everyone who works so hard at TalkNorth.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. And remember, January 11th, 4.30 p.m. at Pizza Barn in Princeton, we'll do a live show and we'd love to see you there.